Let me ask you a question. Do you have a deep knowing that you're only just scratching the surface of where you're capable of taking your business growth? Are you successful but have some invisible hurdles that are slowing you down? Business growth comes from creating and implementing strategies and frameworks, but strategies and frameworks on their own will not take you to the level I know you desire and are capable of. Living in alignment with your unique human design will help you to attract the abundance you are ready for. And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. And it, it is, as you say, it, it is one of those things, careers, I guess, that makes you almost unemployable by everyone else. Because all of a sudden you're learning, and particularly as a sole trader and consultant, you're learning so many diverse skills. Mm-hmm. Right? You're learning marketing, you're learning sales, you're learning you know, strategy, you're learning HR to manage the people around you, whether they be in team or you know, support um, businesses, mm-hmm. you're learning you know, legal structures, you're learning actually what it is that you do in your business as well. Mm-hmm. And that's very different from having a job where you know, you've got a far more narrow focus. Yeah. And, and one of the big pieces that you miss there too is your finances. When you're, <laughs> when you're working in a big company and you want some money for a project and you go and you pitch that and everyone says, that's great, here's the money. It doesn't work quite like that when you're in your own business at the beginning. So you you start to learn how to rob Peter to pay Paul pretty quickly at the beginning. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Leaders Business Lab is for you, the business owner, entrepreneur, the expert in your field who wants to be seen and heard as the influential thought leader in your industry. My name is Samantha Riley and I've been building and growing businesses for over 26 years and I've learned there are three key areas to your success, your mindset, your talents and the people you surround yourself with. Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your co-host for today, Samantha Riley, joined by the delightful Tim Hyde. How are you, Tim? Good, Sam. How are you? I'm doing a super, super well. How is Adelaide? Adelaide's fantastic. I'm having such a great time here. I went to the professional speakers um, or the PSA chapter meeting last night and met all the Adelaide crew, caught up with some old friends, made some new friends. For anyone that's in South Australia, I thoroughly recommend that you get down to your PSA chapter. Actually, it doesn't matter where you are in Australia. I recommend that you reach out and join that if speaking is something that you want to do. Well, you're, you're an Adelaide native, aren't you? I am. I spent 40 years of my life here. So um, 40 years, that must mean you've spent about one one year in Sydney. That is exactly, exactly <laughs> right, Tim. <laughs> and you can stay. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Awesome. <laughs> now, we've got a really cool topic today, actually. I think yeah. one that probably everyone listening to this podcast will have had a conversation around either with someone else or even that internal dialogue at some point in their journey. And that is around entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and whether it's actually right for people. And, and we were just talking off air a few moments ago that, you know, even some of your clients where you've worked with, they, 
you know, some of them actually go back to mm-hmm. a day job, don't they? They've Absolutely. tried the business and gone, this isn't quite for me and not what I expected and, and that sort of stuff. And I reckon that a lot of people who come into business potentially come in with I don't know, blinkers? Yeah, blinkers is exactly the word I was going to use because we often talk about, you know, as you and I and a lot of our friends talk about how we're unemployable. We wouldn't go and work for a boss. We, you know, we love being in control of of our life essentially and being, you know, responsible for it. And that's fine, but we're a certain breed of people. <laughs> we're a certain, we are a certain breed of crazy. I actually, um, I, I joke, and I, I know you've heard me say this before, that um, I mean, I spent, unlike you, as you started your entrepreneurial journey almost straight out of school, didn't you? I actually found myself working in the public service and private enterprise for almost 20 years mm. um, before I fully embraced my entrepreneur and, and went in full time. And I joke that I quit working for one idiot to work for an even bigger one who looks back at me at the mirror for every morning. <laughs> right? and, this, and, this, and this particular boss of mine now, um, whilst gives me amazing annual leave provisions <laughs> and the flex time is incredible, but the sick leave is absolutely woeful. Yeah. Yeah. There's no such thing as sick leave. <laughs> and, and so that's why we want to talk about this today, because I think it is, it is a really worthwhile conversation to have, to take the blinkers off and actually self-assess and decide whether this is something that is right for you or whether you are better off in, in a job. Because, you know, like you said earlier, Tim, I have had clients that have gone back to jobs. And what's been really great for them is they've realized I didn't hate my job as much as I thought I did. I now have a lot more gratitude for what, it, you know, for what my job is. I really enjoy it. I've, I know that I've mentioned on the podcast before, my children all work for employers and they really like it. And for the reasons that we're going to talk about today. And, you know, add add to that the failure rate in business. It's something like up in the 80% mark in the first three years. That's a a huge number. And if you can self-assess and decide maybe it's not right for me, then, you know, you you won't become one of the statistics. Yeah. I think that that failure rate, when when you break the failure rate down, I think it's actually interesting because not many businesses actually end up in a worse position. Um, than when they started, but what people what people do find in the first five years is that they burn out mm-hmm. and, and they give up and they don't necessarily have that perseverance to kind of push through all of the obstacles that we often talk about and, and see uh, see with businesses about what needs to go you know do to get to that next step and it, it is as you say it, it is one of those things careers I guess that makes you almost unemployable by everyone else because all of a sudden you're learning you know, particularly as a sole trader or a consultant you're learning so many diverse skills. Mm -hmm. You're learning marketing, you're learning sales, you're learning, you know, strategy, you're learning HR to manage the people around you, whether they be in team or, you know, support um, businesses. Mm -hmm. You're learning, you know, legal structures. You're learning actually what it is that you do in your business as well. Mm -hmm. And that's very different from having a job where, you know, you've got a far more narrow focus. Yeah. And and one of the big pieces that you miss there too is your finances. When you're <laughs> when you're working in a big company and you want some money for a project and you go and you pitch that and everyone says, That's great, here's the money. It doesn't work quite like that when you're in your own business at the beginning. 
So you you start to learn how to rob Peter to pay Paul pretty quickly at the beginning. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at a definition of entrepreneurship. Now, I've got one that I found on the web. Mm -hmm. But before I tell you that one, what do you reckon is your definition of entrepreneurship? I think that entrepreneurship is about setting up your business, running your business, someone who takes the risks and gets the financial reward for taking those risks. Yeah, that's, that's actually very close to the dictionary definition. As someone who sets up a business and takes the financial risks for a profit. I actually like to think of that a little bit broader mm-hmm. uh, myself. You know, certainly there's, a, there's an element of, yes, we are taking on risk in the pursuit of profit. I, I saw some, some really good definitions. One was around um, that, you know, there's a certain desire to, I guess, have or be more than your current resources will allow. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's a kind of interesting one, right? So the pursuit of opportunity beyond your resources controlled. Mm. And the other thing I thought was an interesting one around entrepreneurship, another definition I actually really resonated with me, and it's not the delusional fail one, it's that that entrepreneurs, if you're suited to it, we, we often think in patterns and we see opportunities in the market as a result of sort of observing those patterns that potentially other people don't see. We can sort of Mm. almost navel gaze and predict the future and sort of recognize opportunities. And it is, entrepreneurship is really the pursuit of those opportunities, right? To to get that reward, whether it be financial, lifestyle or whatever else as a Mm. result. I can definitely see that in the people that I'm surrounded with. They can see those. It's almost like they're not even consciously noticing that those patterns are there. They're so used to searching for or looking for them all the time that they can see them instantly. And and I can see that that's definitely, you know, a trait in the, the people that I'm surrounded with. I also love Laurie Griner's quote on entrepreneurship. So if you don't know Laurie, she's one of the judges on the American Shark Tank. And she says entrepreneurs work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week. And we can all we can all joke about that, but I'm sure you and I can nod our head about that. I don't really want to add up the number of hours I work just in case. <laughs> Mine go up and down. You know, sometimes I can work not very many hours at all. And then other times it's like I make up for it. And and I'm someone that enjoys to work. So it really doesn't bother me too much. But I, I certainly now don't work 80 hours a week, but have been known to work well over 80 hours a week back in the day. Yeah, I think that's the thing though. You know, we we do recognize those opportunities and we do go, this is something that I want to pursue and I think there's a better way of doing something. Um, now, whether that's a business that you're setting up from scratch, whether that's another, you know, business that you're, an existing business that you're buying into, you know, there are plenty of those out there as well. You know, it's really like, I'm going to put something on the line here, whether it's my time, my resources, my money in the pursuit of that sort of bigger outcome. Mm. You know, that life-changing and potentially life-changing. So let's go through some of the, I guess, things that we've noticed um, and just pulled out the big... The big rocks. I like it. The big rocks. Thank you for filling in that there. (laughs) Um, And the first thing that I think that you really need to self-assess and be very aware of is to ask yourself, do you need direction? Do you need someone else to be telling you what needs to be done or the direction that you're traveling? Do do you need guidelines and do you need structure? Because I'm just going to butt in there for a moment. Yeah, jump in, Tim. Why do you reckon that that's an important qualification deciding whether entrepreneurship is right for you? If you are someone that's not a self-starter, if you're not someone that can come up with the vision and steer yourself and a team towards that vision, then it, it is not for you like full stop because everything falls squarely on your shoulders 
once you start your own business or your own company. And if you need someone that tells you, you know, this is where we're going, then you're someone that needs to be on the bus, not the driver. Yeah. And it's not that you can't have advisors. And I'm glad I was going to actually go on because there are people that are going to tell us what to do. I have my bookkeeper and accountant and and other people that do advise. So I'm super glad you you picked up. Yeah, and and even in the case of if you've got a coach, you and I both work with Mm -hmm. coaches, Mm -hmm. you know, we have advisors and and professional advisors who still, but who, you know, give us hints and tips and sort of insights into what we're doing. But it's ultimately our responsibility for the direction of our business. Absolutely. And, And let's actually even just break that down even a little bit. Yes, we have our advisors and we have our coaches, but we still need to be explaining to those people what it is that we're ultimately trying to achieve and how it is that we want to get there. They may help us along the way with different processes or different perspectives, but if we can't tell them what we want, they can't help us. Yep. Okay. Well, that's a good reason. If you if you can't be that, if you like structure, if you like routine, if you like someone else to set the, the, the goals and, you know, just sort of follow along, then entrepreneurship is probably not right for you. Second one we had was actually kind of working hard. And I think the, you know, we talked about why, entre- why entrepreneurs fail or why businesses fail. I think one of the things that makes a business a success and an entrepreneur a success is the willingness and ability to take action and work hard. Mm-hmm. Now, doesn't mean you need to swing the pick. <laughs> right. and, and probably not. <laughs> but you do need to kind of, you know, be willing to do that little bit more than the other guy, mm-hmm. don't you? Look, at the end of the day, things are going to go wrong. They always do. So are you going to, at the end of the day, think, oh, well, it's five o'clock, I'm going to shut off today and do, the, you know, and, and that's tomorrow's problem? Or are you going to deal with it now? Or, you know, if if you're coming up to a super busy time, if you're coming up to, you know, a sale or a launch or, you know, an event, you and I both know, Tim, that as you're coming into those times, there's the workload highly increases. And sometimes if you're waiting, on your, I know it's happened to me before, waiting on my workbooks to come back from my designer who's on a different time zone to me and have sometimes sat up till 10 o'clock midnight waiting for them to come to make sure that they can go off and, and you know, be checked by me before they're sent to the next person. It's just something that has to happen every now and again. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, not, it's not really a nine to five job is it you know being entrepreneur is a 24 7 job that doesn't mean you work 24 by 7 but it is a 24 by 7 occupation and it does mean you will work some nights occasionally to get some stuff done get some invoices out chase some bills whatever it happens to be you know design or, or do something you know if you are working on an international business like you and i both do Sam, we work with clients all over the world. It does mean some 6 or 7 a.m. starts and it does mean some 8 or 9 p.m. You know, starts as well. It also means you might occasionally work on weekends. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Some, yeah, sometimes you do need to work on weekends, sometimes far out. I've even done a 3 a.m. interview once. Not my favourite time to do an interview, <laughs> but it does happen. Uh, yeah, generally- not a fan of all the webinars in the U.S. that are kicking <laughs> yeah. up in the morning their time, which is like <laughs> absolutely. 3, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. our time. Yes. Not, not great. Now, I think one of the other ones there is is really around, I guess, willing to, willingness to put yourself out there. I think this is a huge one. This is a this is a super big rock. This one. It, you could think of this in a way of being visible, so creating a, a brand that that people see. You know, creating content and 
videos and being on social media, but also are you willing to put yourself out there and do the uncomfortable things, you know, make the calls that have to be had that you don't feel comfortable making, go and meet people. I I even know extroverts sometimes don't like going to networking events and meeting new people. It's not just introverts that don't like that. So, you know, being able to put yourself out there so you're seen and doing things that don't feel comfortable are absolutely 100% necessary. Yeah. And and sometimes that's confront I mean, it is confronting whether mm. those are conversations you have that are confronting you know or with the staff or customers who say no and and that really comes into kind of one of our other points we're going to make in a sec about you know resilience mm-hmm. but you are going to get knockbacks right but you know you, you and then again it's sort of taking action if you don't put yourself out there and be found you're going to find it very difficult to make a business it's very hard to be a reclusive billionaire without being a billionaire first yeah. <laughs> in order to be a billionaire all right then you've got to do some stuff yeah yeah people need to know who you are yeah even reclusive billionaires people know who they are absolutely absolutely and even if they're not widely known they're still known behind the scenes with their network yeah, hashtag so, life goals. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, so you do need to be willing to put yourself out there and be visible. Yeah. Now, we picked up one there that I think is possibly the biggest rock of entrepreneurship, and that is around resilience. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you're not a resilient person, entrepreneurship is not suited for you. If mm-hmm. you are, absolutely, right? You're, you know, eight-tenths of the way there to success, I think. Yeah, and I think that even if you're not resilient from day one, being aware to know that you need to build your resilience muscle. I would not say that I was super resilient from day one. I didn't know what it meant, but I did know that it was something that I had to work on. And as things happen and as you do things that don't feel comfortable and as you do things that you spend five days feeling ill over, you know, whatever the result has been or something that's coming up. It's about understanding that I do have to do this and I have to build that muscle and I have to be resilient. So you don't necessarily need to be super resilient from day one, but you do have to understand that it's something that you have to deal with. You can't push things under the rug or the rug will be pulled out from under you extremely quickly. Yeah. The second one there I think is is, is around resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. Right? As much as anything, we've got to find solutions to stuff without necessarily the ideal fit resources to make that happen the way we want to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, a, that's a, a pretty common trait I see for successful entrepreneurs. The answer is out there somewhere at all times, whether it's through someone that, you know, through a connection or through something that you already have that you've forgotten about. You know, it's about tapping into what do I need to do or who do I need to contact right now to make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. One last one that I think that people should should really look at is around stability, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, both finances time again, you know, Leon has only just made the leap to work mm-hmm. with you after uh, a long time of being in a day job and having stability. I think that's the kind of thing not only you have to look at where you are with your stability, you know, your finances, your time, your family and so on, but also, you know, where your partner is as mm-hmm. well. You know, like you, I'm in a two-person entrepreneur family. We're pretty excited that our son has kind of showed and expressed an interest in it as well. But for a long time, we were, you know, we were, and the reason we bought our property management business is because we found that at Christmas with two consulting businesses that, you know, we had no money coming in. Mm. At other times a year, but at Christmas, it was really slow. So, you know, we didn't have necessarily that stability of regular income coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you kind of have to be comfortable with. It's almost yes. like 
it was almost like being comfortable, being slightly uncomfortable all the time. Absolutely. And it's, and it's like that all the time. So, you know, even with sick leave, you mentioned before, there, there is no such thing as sick leave. You don't know that you've got your four weeks holiday per year. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you get a lot more, but it, it's certainly not stable. It's a, it's a lot of up and down. And, and over time, you do create that stability. And I'm sure you'd agree, Tim, that over time that you do create that financial stability, you do understand what's coming in you do you are able to work your time out and and make sure that your calendar's in control but at the beginning it's not the case and like you mentioned with Leon he had been in corporate for 30 years it did take him quite a while to step into the business with me and I was actually really happy that he was strong enough in himself at the beginning to say this is something I don't feel comfortable doing Uh, and I loved that he had that self-awareness but then uh, like I said to you before we started recording my craziness rubbed off on him and he went yeah, I'm out of there. I just want to do what you do. <laughs> Love it. He's seeing, you know, he's seeing the wine at midday. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I don't drink wine at midday. We're recording. <laughs> not, not all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, it is that thing. And I think if, if you're in a relationship, you know, and both of you and your partner want to kind of leap into entrepreneurship at the same time and you have a significant number of other commitments – Right, so you know, mortgage, kids, school fees, etc. That's a, that's a, a big risk. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not again, it's an evaluated risk. It's not necessarily a, a one that you shouldn't do, but I think you do need to be conscious of that to say, okay, look, if we're going to do this, maybe one of us state keeps the day job to ensure consistency of again cash flow. Mm-hmm. Right? Your, your your family is a business unit in, in itself. Right, you survive on cash flow. Mm-hmm. You run out of cash flow, you're in trouble. Yeah, big time. Right? So business is the same. And that's something that, again, you'll have to evaluate the risk of this realistically, not kind of with rose-coloured glasses. Absolutely. And go, is this, is this the right decision for me where I am? And look, if, you, if you're a young person listening to this and you don't have, you know, mortgages and cars and kids and all that sort of stuff and, and significance, like you, you, the risk profile is going to be very different for you. So, yes, you absolutely can take those, those chances you know, with, with less downside, I guess. Mm, I definitely, th- there is something that you mentioned and I do want to really quickly touch on that just to make sure that this is covered in this episode. I highly recommend that you don't jump into entrepreneurship from a stable job or from having the stability of cash flow without having started your business. So do your side hustle, do your, do your research, set up a part-time business, have a partner that's in a job or you start off so that one of you's got that money coming in because I don't know anyone that hasn't said that they weren't surprised or they were surprised how hard it was to get started. It's really tricky to get started in business. So make sure you've got some sort of foundations there, whether it's a partner with a job, whether it's you've got money saved up on a side, a side hustle, whatever it is, but don't just blindly jump in from zero to hero. It's not easy. Yeah, you're not going to suddenly recreate your day job income in the first month. Uh-uh, it's not going to happen unless you're really lucky. Um, oh, true. Um, look, one thing I, I one um, if if people are interested, one of the books I read um, when I got it got started was a, it was a book called Getting Started in Consulting by mm-hmm. a, a guy in the US called Alan Weiss. He's written a number of Amazon bestsellers. He's a multi-million dollar consultant by himself as well. But a really good one because it actually talks about some of the things you need to think about as you go into a particularly consulting or, or coaching business um, and how much you might need to put aside before you start so that ah, you can still pay one of the 
one of the lessons from that that I took away was, you know, work out what a modest lifestyle would cost you for 12 months, right? So your mortgage mm-hmm. payments, your sort of gas, electricity, water, etc. You know, going out the once a month pizza, etc. You know, some takeaway, uh, date night, all those other things that you might have in your expenses, work out what that costs, all right? And then put that aside before you start. Now, that's not necessarily easy to do, but have that money available to you so that you can continue to pay yourself for the first 12 months and continue to meet all those expenses, right, as you build your business. Yeah, nice one. And I think another tip there is to be very aware when you're doing your cash flow projections that as your business grows over those first few years, a lot of the money that comes in, you're not able to pull straight out. It's going back into the business to grow your team or to, you know, to take on bigger and better things. Your business will cost more as it gets as it gets larger. So be very aware of that when you're doing your projections as well. Yeah, don't spend your GST. It's not yours. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. That's about it for this episode, but we've got another cool episode coming up next week Yes. as well. And we're going to sort of jump into how to create a solid content strategy that will attract clients to you. Which I is, think so. oh, That's a nice little segue. Now that you're an entrepreneur, you might want to attract clients to you. Absolutely. I think this is a great one. <laughs> and I think very, uh, very time in that uh, the content is a big, big, big part of what any business needs to do now. So I'm really looking forward to discussing that with you, Tim. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, give it a like or a share. Head over to the Thought Leaders Business Lab community. We have started discussion threads in the Facebook group around every episode so that uh, we can learn, ask questions, share our biggest takeaways and uh, generally have discussions discussions and help each other learn more. So we'd love you to join us there. Thanks for joining me today, Tim. As always, Sam. Fantastic. Good look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, guys. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. But before we go, have you joined us in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook? If not, Jump over there right now and connect with other entrepreneurs who are also building and scaling their business. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.